Have you ever been in a place where someone has said something to you that has completely changed your entire way of thinking? To a place where it's changed your actions, someone so motivational that you decide that this is how I'm going to live my life now from this point on. Have you guys ever experienced that? I remember the first time my mind was blown. I was in grade two. So it was around six or seven. And I remember in school, there was an all-school assembly. This is in the 80s. And they brought in a speaker uh, to talk to us about safety. I didn't really grow up in a great neighborhood. I grew up in Edmonton, for those that don't know. Uh, but I didn't really grow up in a great neighborhood. And, in, and, and during that time in our school, there was some kidnapping that was happening within our school. And so they decided to bring in some police officers and bring in some speakers to kind of teach us about safety. I remember them talking to us and telling us about strangers, even if they're adults, just strangers, that you can't trust all adults, that all adults sometimes are not always up to good. So that even though that they have the authority as an adult, that they, you, you shouldn't just listen to adults. That one statement, it didn't matter what else that person was saying anymore, solidified in my mind. Probably not the best thing. But what I heard was adults don't always do the right thing and adults don't always have your best in mind. And so I was like, wow. I mean, it, it set my course and it completely set, changed the trajectory of who I was. I, I think prior to that I was still like listening to authority. After that, authority meant nothing to me, and that's kind of why I got into the, the trouble I got into uh, as a teenager and as a young adult. Because for me, I was just like, this is suggestive. That's what I got in my, my mind. This is only a suggestion. And it wasn't until I actually became a Christian and as I became an adult and I became part of society that I realized that actually this is actually a terrible way of thinking. And that certain authorities are actually authority that are, are put there in place for, for good reason. And that there are authority that is put over us to govern us. And, 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 and those things we, we should listen to. However, it still puts me in a place where I, I, I still challenge that everyday thought of, is everything that, ev that is put upon me right? But now I have the mindset of the Bible and I have the mindset of Jesus and I have the mindset of, of, of all of these good things that, that help me filter out what is good and what is not. But as a kid, man, that statement was revolutionary for me. And every single teacher suffered because of that. I don't, I don't think I've ever made, I don't think I've ever been to Sunday school as a kid and not made that teacher cry. And so, not a good thing. Um, eventually, they actually stuck me with my aunt because she was the only one that could control me. Um, and so I had her for my Sunday school teacher for a very long time, which sucked. <laughs> but uh, that's, that, that's kind of the result of it. But why do I bring this up? Today, I know that if you're following along in, in Romans 12 and you know that, actually today, John, you're supposed to be talking about teaching, but this week, 
God really, as I was preparing my message for teaching, I actually prepared teaching and exhortation together. God's like, I actually want you to preach on exhortation first. And then next week we'll get back to teaching. I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I don't like doing things out of order. But God really impressed on me to preach on exhortation today. And actually during our red carpet time as we were praying, um, someone came up and asked for prayer. And I'm just like, actually, today's message is for you. That's why, that's why God wants me to preach on exhortation because God sees you. God sees where you're at today. And so before we go that, go there, Romans 12, 8 says, the one who exhort in his exhortation. And so let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We ask for your spirit to come. Lord, that your spirit gives us good gifts, but Lord, your, your spirit also gives us an encouragement to be your church. So Father God, as we look into uh, this message today and we look into this topic of exhortation, as you've told us that exhortation is a gift that you're giving, Lord, may you teach us what that means. So Lord, we thank you for who you are. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. In Luke chapter 3, verse 18, John the Baptist, one of the earliest exhorters, says, So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. John the Baptist did not just tell the people to, to the good news of the coming Messiah, but he moved them into action. And to do, some, and to do something about what, he was, what, about what he was teaching, which was to repent, to be baptized, and to live a life that is pleasing to God, so to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Exhortations are an appeal to the, to the will to act on what is being taught to the mind. That's what exhortation is. Teaching and exhortation go hand in hand, but teaching appeals to the mind to, to understand truth, but exhortation appeals to the will to act on what is understood. The goal of teaching is knowing, the goal of exhortation is doing. The fact that Paul separates these two gifts in Romans 12 means that it is possible to have an excellent teacher to impart valuable knowledge to others, but not have the gift to motivate them to do anything with it. That is why we as a church, we need many different people, and we've been talking about this, that these gifts, we need all of us as a church to work together. We need all of us to come together to work together because we need the many different types of leadership. Some of us may have excellent gifts that benefit you greatly, but may not have the gifts to motivate you into action. Every Christian needs to be exposed to exhortation. Exhortation covers actually a big territory. A lot of times when we look at ex exhortation, a lot of churches will say exhortation belongs to the pastor. The pastor that, that stands here is an exhorter. I don't I know I have the gift of exhortation, but I don't think that's my greatest strength. My greatest strength actually lies in teaching. But exhortation covers more than just that. Exhortation is not just the work of a preacher, but exhortation also covers areas to comfort people, for consolation, for counsel. The word exhortation includes words of entreat, to beg, to implore, and to persuade. It covers 
pretty much anything that you could think of that motivates people to act or change their behavior. Exhortation often comes following teaching and preaching, as it did on the Pentecost. Peter, in his great message in Acts 2.40, we read, and he testified with many other words and exhorted them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. That exhortation moves has moved 3,000 people to be baptized and to join the church. So it's not that he just had great teaching and preaching. Peter was a great teacher. He was able to give them the message of who Jesus is, and he was able to teach them what, what the kingdom of heaven was, was about. But just teaching them that was not enough. He exhorted them and moved them, and that's where people, became, that's where people found salvation. Exhortation comes after teaching. It comes after preaching, and it is not the same thing. Teaching explains how Jesus fulfills Old Testament prophecy, but exhortation motivates people to do something about it. The teacher shows us the way, but the exhorter moves us to walk in it. But sometimes exhortation also may look like correction. Paul uses this kind of exhortation when he writes uh, in to the Thessalon Thessalonian church. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10 and 15, we read, of how Paul dealt with some lazy Christians. Okay, so these are the, the verses says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this command, if anyone will not work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort to the Lord Jesus to do their work in quietness and to earn their own living. So in order to motivate them, this is what Paul says in verse 14 and 15. He says, if anyone refuses to obey what he says in this letter, note that the man have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not, but, here's the big but, do not look on him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. So here's the careful thing about exhortation, because I don't want you guys to just go around and start threatening people and start trying to motivate people through threats and, 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 and bad behavior. Because sometimes the church does that and, and justifies it and says, this is how the church moves. That's not it. Okay? You have to read every single part of it. It says, do not look on him as what? An enemy and warn him as a brother. So exhortation comes with love. Okay? Not to excuse their behavior, but to love them, to warn them, but do not allow them to walk over you. You know how sometimes it's just like, okay, I need to love them, I need to love them, I need to love them, I need to encourage them, and so you continue to do the same thing, but their behavior doesn't change? God doesn't say, keep on loving them in that way. God says, you need to change their behavior, so your motivate, how to motivate them needs to change. So you don't just allow them to walk all over you, allow them to continue in their sin, allow them to continue in their behavior. You need to do something. So what Paul says, Paul says, do nothing with him. Meaning don't continue to encourage the bad behavior. Leave him for a season. It doesn't mean by doing that you're not loving them, okay? Oftentimes we, we feel like because we're not doing anything, we're not loving them anymore. But to exhort them actually needs to, requires that. I have a four-year-old and a one-year at home. They are very strong-willed kids. Very strong -willed. I don't know where they get that from. Probably Steph. <laughs> Probably me too. So it makes them even double strong-willed. Most of the time, Steph and I just look at each other. We're just like... 
Why do we have kids? But when we teach our kids, you could teach them and teach them and teach them to do something, but they will just not learn. You, you know what I mean? You get to a place where you get so, so aggravated, you're just like, come on, just do it. And instead of exhorting them, you actually start to exasperate them. Instead of exhorting them, you actually start pushing them away because that teaching isn't actually effective. To exhort them means that you're motivating them to do it for themselves. So sometimes to, ex to exhort means that you have to actually change your own tone. Change the way that you're doing things. Maybe actually leave it for a season or ignore it for a season. So they get that there are consequences to their actions. But at the same time, you actually need to still get to that place of motivating them. And parents, this is a message for you because it's a message for myself. Where oftentimes we know what's best for them, but we push them in the wrong way. Right? Do we get that? That instead of pushing them towards something, we actually push them away from something. But then somebody else comes alongside and says the exact same thing, and all of a sudden they do it. And you're like, what happened? Well, th what happened is that they came and exhorted them. They came and encouraged them. They came and walked alongside them and said, actually, let me walk, walk with you. And it doesn't make you a bad parent. Sometimes, actually, by bringing those people alongside you as a parent actually encourages your kid. It's not really about you as a parent. It's about the kids, right? It's about how your child grows. It's how he matures, about how, how they do things. And so sometimes we... We, we get into these places where we're so tunneled into like, this is our kids and we need to raise them, but sometimes it takes a village to raise your children. I was a youth pastor for many years and I know by talking to a lot of parents even in this room and a lot of the youth that, that were in this room that I say the exact same thing as the parents do. I don't say anything different, but they move when I do it and they don't move when their parents do it. Why? Because sometimes they just need new perspectives and new exhortations, and it's the way about the way that we talk to them. One of the things I have noticed about myself as a parent is that when I come alongside Judah, you're so emotionally charged and invested into it, right? You're so emotionally invested in a place where you're just like, just please get it. Just do what I asked you to do. Just get over I, whatever obstacle is in your mind and you're frustrated and they're frustrated and actually it actually isn't going anywhere. That discussion doesn't go anywhere. But why does someone outside speak the same thing as able to do it? Because if the person on the outside sees it in a different way, right? They're outside of the situation where they're able to say, I'm going to come alongside this person. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to do it with them. An immediate change happens. doesn't make you a bad parent. But a good parent will know that I'm going to utilize this person to walk alongside m my family so that they can actually help me raise my children. So parents, I want you to, to encourage you to exhort, but at the same time, I want you to know that this is not easy. The word exhort in Greek is the word perikalesis. It means consolation, comfort, and encouragement. The word for the Holy Spirit is the Greek word paraclete, and it means the helper and the comforter. 
Notice that these two have the same root word, which is para. The root word para is where we get the word parallel from. And so the exhorter comes and walks parallel to the person, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus walks parallel to us to exhort us. And that the, the, the gift of exhortation is just that, is that they don't intercede, they don't interject, they don't intersect the way that we live. They don't stop it, but they walk parallel to it. And that's what exhortation is. Exhortation is us walking alongside people to encourage people, to comfort people, to console people. Just like the Holy Spirit does it for us. The Holy Spirit comes and walks alongside us as we live our life. Oftentimes we, we think that when we, when we live in this place of, of, um, of Christianity, all I need is the Holy Spirit, all I need is Jesus, but the reality of it is that we are human and therefore we need human contact because that's how God created us to be. God created us to be like him in community, right? And so we don't do Christianity alone. We do Christianity with our community, with the village, with the church. That's why we come to church, to get to know other Christians so that we could actually do community together. And that's where exhortation comes. Exhortation comes as we walk alongside each other in life to support and to encourage each other. That's what we need to do as we, we look at what is exhortation. Exhortation, sometimes we, we write it off as it is just about the preaching, it's just about the encouragement from the preacher, from the pulpit, but exhortation actually happens to us on a daily basis. And the gift of exhortation is for everyone. Okay? We may not be the best exhorter, but the church has some great exhorters. And therefore, we walk alongside each other because we need each other to encourage each other on our walk with Jesus, right? that we do this thing called Christianity together, that the church is a body of believers. It's not just a building that we go to to, to listen to some great teaching and to do, sing some great songs, but the church is actually a moving, living organism of believers that actually do the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is about. And so as a church, the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of exhortation so that we can walk alongside each other to encourage each other in our walk with Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Is that something we as a church could do? The gift of exhortation is a powerful gift because the gift of ex exhortation creates a movement. It creates a movement of people in the way that they behave, in the way that they act, the way they, that they relate, that the world sees as different. But not only does it create a movement, it creates a viral sensation, all right? I mean, we're living in a pandemic, so viral is actually a very um, charged up word right now. But what I mean by that is that it becomes infectious. That when we learn how to console, when we learn how to comfort, when we learn how to walk alongside, when we learn how to encourage people in the spirit, the church begins to move. The body plays a role in Christian life that even the Trinity cannot play. 
That is why Jesus gifted the body with these various functions. It is not being unspiritual to one human companionship and encouragement. It is being what Jesus intended us to be. That is why he gave the body exhorters. Jesus had fellowship with the Father in Gethsemane, but he felt lonely. Why? Because he did not have human companionship with him and encouragement of his disciples. We all need the human as well as the divine. That means we all need each other as well as, as much as we need God. We can't do this thing called Christianity alone. And oftentimes, a lot of people think that we can, but the reality is we cannot. We need each other. The church needs each other. One of the things that I do want to put a big warning on this gift is that if you tend to be judgmental and that you find your advice turns people off, they do not appreciate your exhortation. It will be wise to let someone else do this vital job. So whether you're a parent or whether you're in ministry, whether you're, it doesn't actually matter who you are. If you don't have the gift of exhortation, do not try to exhort, okay? Oftentimes, you actually make it worse. And so this gift comes with a big disclaimer, right? I want you guys to understand that, that sometimes if you feel like your exhortation is making things work, back off. And then ask for someone else to come alongside you. Don't. Don't feel shame in that. I think our society, we we're in this place where, where we don't like to take the advice of others oftentimes, right? That's, that's just kind of where we live. We're, we were, we're indoctrinated with this individualism where, where we live our own life, and we don't like to take the advice of others, but exhorters love to give advice. Um, because exhorters, actually, I'm going to give you a list of what, how do I know if I'm an, an exhorter? Here's, here's how you know. An exhorter's central motivational drive is to encourage believers to mature in Christ, okay? If, if you're, you're making a checklist, start checking these things off. An exhorter regards God's sovereignty as his favorite characteristic of God. An exhorter regards trials as opportunity for growth. An exhorter expresses love through availability if given a choice of helping someone spiritually or helping them physically with a need, the exhorter prefers to offer spiritual help. Wise counsel usually flows from the heart of an, of, of an exhorter. Exhorters love to encourage. They only encourage, encourage, encourage. That's all they want to do. Exhorters actually make a really good team with people with the gift of mercy. So we're going to talk about mercy in a couple of weeks here. Actually, Alex is going to be talking about that. But exhorters work really well with the gift of mercy because mercy, people could sit with people and empathize. But the exhorter actually knows how to help them move on and move past the emotion. And so you see how these gifts actually work hand in hand and they work with each other. Exhorter responds to people's problems by prescribing specific steps of action. His goal is to make the plans, to make it easy to comprehend and understand it. An exhorter's strength comes, uh, uses scriptures to validate experience. An exhorter are willing and eager to come alongside a brother or sister during difficult times of circumstances. 
An exhorter sees every little detail, including the timing of every event as part of God's good and loving plan. An exhorter sees trials as a positive light, which is opposed to the world's way of seeing it. An exhorter's focus is on balance. They avoid extremes, especially in doctrine. An exhorter seems to be able to give thanks in all seasons and in all circumstances. An exhorter understands that um, time reading and studying the Word of God brings more information and brings transformation. So if you have these, some of these qualities, know that you do have the gift of exhortation. That that is part of your gift. You know, so the, the way that God has wired you and, 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 and has already given you this gift. One of the great biblical examples of an exhorter actually comes from the Old Testament. It's by the name of Jethro. You guys know who Jethro is? He's the father-in-law of Moses. Moses was trying to settle disputes all day long. This is found in Exodus 18. And the, Israel was forming lines from morning to night. Um, and Jethro goes up to Moses like, what you are doing is not good. He went to Moses to show him how he's wearing himself out. And his advice to Moses was to set up a system where other men hear the lesser problems and bring to him only the major problems. So in other words, his advice was to set up almost like a court system where the smaller things, we could have other people deal with it, but the major things, you deal with it instead of dealing with everything because at this point, Israel was starting to get frustrated with Moses because there were hundreds and thousands and millions of people looking towards Moses to, to find solutions to problems and Moses was only one man and he can't handle everything. And so Moses was wearing out the people of, of Israel was feeling frustrated. And so Jethro sees this. So he exhorts Moses by not just judging what is wrong, but providing a helpful, helpful answer to how to set things right. That's an exhorter. I'm sure there were a lot of people that were critical of Moses and saying how, how slow he was in handling the situations. He's one man. He's one man that's looking over the entire nation of Israel. But Jethro saw that this is what the solution for Moses is. So he goes and he exhorts him. He says, what you're doing is not right, but this is my solution for you. So he provides a helpful solution to do what? To help him move on. Right? So some of us may be in a situation in our life right now where we're, we're feeling in whether it's a relationship, whether it is uh, at work, whether, whatever it is, we're feeling stuck or we're feeling like this, this anxiety is building up where we cannot actually, we're, 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 we're at a place where we can't even talk to that person anymore, right? That it's built up so big in your head Right? You know how anxiety does that? That it might have been a small problem in the beginning, but then as, as you think about it more and more and as you try to interact and those interactions kind of fail, it, it, it builds up this, this situation to be even bigger than it actually is. And then by the time you, 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 you have the guts to talk to that person, the, the, you're, you're so full of anxiety that you don't even want to talk to them anymore. Does that make sense? Does that, 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 that ring a bell? Well, that's what anxiety does, and sometimes what we have to do is step back and say, how do I actually change 
how I look at this situation? How do I ask the Spirit to give me the ability to exhort and change and give a helpful solution to what needs to be done here? Right? That's exhortation. Every single one of us has the ability to do it. Every single one can ask for the gift to do it. Because in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us, ask, right? We teach this in our E1 class. If you want any of the gifts, ask for it. Ask for the wisdom, ask for the discernment, ask for the, the, the encouragement. Ask for this gift so that you're able to resolve some of these issues in your life. Oftentimes, we, we, we live with these issues and we just let them pass on. We don't actually, we don't actually um, deal with it. We, we deal with it by having, it's like that growth that's on you. And you just kind of like, ah, just, it doesn't bother me that much, I'll just live with it. But then when it does bother you, you're like, ah, I should have dealt with it. You know what I mean? The exhorter is able to encourage people to do some great things. Henry Ford said this. You guys know who Henry Ford is? He's a, the great car maker that actually, he's, he, he's the one that pioneered gas-powered cars. All mechanical engineers at the time was, the, was, was moving towards electrical cars. Funny that we're actually moving back to electrical cars now. But Henry Ford was the one that says, I'm going to be the one that, that, that pioneers this gasoline-powered car. And Henry Ford said that the ability to encourage others is one of the finest assets. And the reason why he says that is because in his, in his time as he was developing and inventing gasoline engines for the automobile, Thomas Edison heard his plan. And with one sentence of encouragement changed Henry Ford's entire perspective. He says, young man, that's the thing, and you have it. That was all Ford needed to motivate him to perfect his engine. Now we have Elon Musk that kind of kind of flipped the script a little bit now. But that's what the, the work of a great encourager could do. As a church, we've been talking a lot about how, how we are to be as a church. We've gone through foundations and we've, we've kind of laid down. These are kind of what the principles of, of, of the church are. Now we're, we're working into what are we supposed to do. Exhortation comes to a place where we're to encourage each other to walk out what Jesus has laid before us. And I want us as a church to walk out what Jesus has laid before us. As a pastor, believe it or not, I'm not a great exor exhorter. Okay? I, I, I can do it. I try to do it. I try to be as encouraging to the church as I can be, but it's not really natural in my giftings to do. And so for me, exhortation is something that I love. I, I love receiving it. But to give it is not something that I'm very good at. But I know that there are some great exhorters in this church because I've been exhorted by you guys before. And so for me as a pastor, I want to walk alongside you guys as a church to be able to do this together, right? We want to be able to do this because we want the Spirit to come and, 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 and be with us as a church, that when we move as a church, that we move with His Spirit, that as people encounter us, they, they encounter the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
And so church, today I urge and calling you to live out this gift in a way where you're starting to mend broken relationships. To live in a way where you're actually starting to build some great relationships. To move in a way where you're able to encourage each other in your walk with Jesus Christ. To move in a way where you know scripture so well that you're able to encourage Jesus and the Bible into each other. That you're able to, to preach his word even if you're not a great teacher. Paul separates these two gifts very clearly. And next week as we look into teaching, it's actually my favorite sermon. I've actually been preparing for that one. I'm, I'm very excited about that sermon. But as I was getting excited for that sermon, God's like, no, I don't want you to preach that sermon. I want you to preach this sermon. And I believe that we need to do that today because sometimes we lose exhortation in teaching. Do you know what I mean? that we just tie exhortation into teaching, but it's actually a separate gift. That's the reason why I actually flipped the script today. Because I want us to know that exhortation is a separate gift. It is not alongside teaching. It comes alongside teaching, but it is not teaching. So church, I want to encourage you guys today. Someone once said, a cold wouldn't be half as bad if it wasn't for all the bad advice from our friends. So let us refrain by trying to advise trying to advise it and start exhorting. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for just your gift. We thank you for your spirit that comes alongside us, that comes parallel to us. Lord, we pray that as we come alongside each other as a body of believers, Lord, that you bring this gift of exhortation to us so that we could encourage each other to walk with you. Lord, may your spirit rest in us, may your spirit be with us, may your spirit work through us as we do all these things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Gift of exhortation is such a wonderful gift. I was thinking about Barnabas and his name was the encourager. And one of the most historic churches established in the New Testament, the Antioch Church, was founded from a man who had the gift of encouragement. In some of your translations in this verse here, it says not exhortation, but encouragement. And I love that, that sense because, you know, when we go through life, we get discouraged. And the gift of encouragement repairs our courage for life. Discouragement means to break the courage that's in your life, to do something, to step out, to take a step of action. But encouragement comes, and it repairs the courage that you need to move in life. The other thing about the gift of exhortation that's different from a natural exhortation that's out there is that we have the Holy Spirit moving through us. So if I'm learning to dribble a basketball, and Michael Jordan says, hey, you're doing a great job, and my first grade Gym teacher comes and says, I'm, hey, you're doing a great job. What Michael Jordan says to me means so much more to me because he has authority to speak to me. And when the Holy Spirit is using you to speak to someone, that lands. It's not just human encouragement. It's the Holy Spirit using that exhortation to build someone up. And that's what we want is the, 
is the Holy Spirit to move through us in exhortation, that we're not just babbling and speaking words, but we're speaking words of life. Father, we thank you for the power of words. Lord, creation began with words. It began with you speaking. You've created the medium of speaking, God, to buoy us, to fill us, to encourage us, and to cause us to walk in your fullness. We break the power of word curses that have come over people. We break, Father God, the negative things that have been said over us that are sitting on us like rocks. We break it, Father God, and the gift of exhortation, the gift of encouragement comes to lift that load off of us so that we can walk free in you. We thank you this morning. We thank you for your scriptures, God, and for the giftings that you place in the body. In Jesus' name, amen.